And how many of you guys remember what dunamis means? It's a Greek word in the New Testament. Um, is any, oh, I see you back there. Mike, what's it mean? Power, dynamite power. So we've been talking about power, and we've talked about so many awesome things. We've talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in new tongues. We've talked about people being healed. On the one Sunday when we talked about healing, we had like 10 different people get healed. It was awesome. And then a couple weeks later, our teenagers went out on the streets and prayed for people at the bus stops and the parks and saw some healings there. We've talked about prophecy. And uh, the one Sunday, Pastor Steve prophesied over three or four people, and they were right on and really um, um, came deep into uh, the spirit man we talked about the fear of the Lord which is not being afraid of God but reverent respect and honor for God and these are all things that we see in the early church which is the book of Acts and so we've been breaking down um, different stories from the book of Acts and we're going to continue to do so but the Lord dropped in my spirit um, something that I thought would almost (laughs) is different it's not something that you would normally hear preaching on when you're talking about the book of Acts and that's the power of giving. Can you say the power of giving? And I felt that it was very important for us to do this. And, and I questioned, it, questioned doing it because we're at a place right now. Can I talk real for a minute? Do I have permission for, to talk real? Okay, I'm going to talk real for a minute. We're in a place right now at, at our church where our finances are tighter than they've ever been before. You saw our summer giving, all the fun things that we've done. We've done block parties and we've done um, camps and events for youth and our regular stuff that we do every, uh, you know, every week anyway with our Vision Kitchen. And our finances are tight. Now, in our house, when in our personal house, and some of you guys might experience this, I'm sure you have before, in your personal house, when your finances get tight, you usually sit together with your spouse or with your children, and you have a conversation. You say, okay, we got to tighten some things up, right? Say, we're, we're, we're spending more that we're, than we're bringing in, and so we have to tighten things up because we can't continue like this or it's going to be detrimental to our home, correct? Has anyone had that conversation before? Have any, has everyone had a tight time in their house? So I'm talking to people who understand. Well, the church is a family as well. Amen? Are we not a family? We're a family. And I felt it's better to be real with the family, right? And let you guys know exactly what is going on. Now, kind of in training, in, in ministry training, one of the things in our early day, early years we would, would say we would never talk about giving if it's tight because we don't want to seem like we're trying to manipulate or, or you know, cause people to do something because we really need it. And so that was kind of a philosophy that Josh and I had in, in ministry. And we've been doing this for a little while now. Um, Vision will be celebrating 10 years in November. And before then, we were staff pastors um, for a ministry for over five years. So we've been doing this for a while. And we said, we'll never do that. And then here I am, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to do this today. But I'm like, but God, I don't want to seem like I'm trying to, I don't want anyone to feel manipulated to give because we need it. I I mean, being real, we need it, but I don't want no one to feel manipulated because we need it. So I, I don't know, but God's like, I want you to share the word with them because this is the thing. We've got to be responsible for what's ours. Amen. And oftentimes at vision ministries, um, we've got to a place that we realize how many of you know, we're an outreach church. If you've been here for even a week, you've probably realized this is an outreach church. They do a, How many of you guys realize we do a lot for the community? And everything we do is free, from coming in for a free meal to a block party. Now, let me tell you, just because it's free doesn't mean it costs nothing. Okay? When we feed people, 2,000 people um, a month, it costs something, even just to keep the electric. And this is an old building. I told you guys a, a while ago about... about 
18 months ago, uh, we had our elevator breakdown. You guys remember me talking about that? Our elevator is very important for people who are disabled to get up to service. Manuela, did you use the elevator, right? So you can come in for a meal because we have a, a ramp. But to get up to the main floor for our service, you have to use the elevator. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me very clearly um, what, where it talked about uh, the friends who, who opened the roof and, and lowered down the man who was crippled to Jesus in the New Testament. That that's what our elevator does. It is a way to um, bring people to the feet of Jesus and that we had to get it fixed. Now, mind you, it was $32,000 to get it fixed. We did not have $32,000 in our bank account. And so I got my hustle on, got on the phone, was calling people. (laughs) Listen, tell them there's two main elevator companies in the city. Both of them said, we will cut you a deal and we will allow you to pay off your elevator in 18 months interest free. And we went with the one who gave us the better deal. We laid $10,000 down as a down payment and we've been paying it off. What happened was, is we miscalculated and thought that we had it paid off and we had one more payment that we weren't expecting at the same time that we were sending kids to camp. The camp costs um, close to about $10,000 to send kids to camp. We asked people to pay $25 to send their kids to camp, but it costs at least $180 for them to go per kid. Okay, we took about 58 um, kids. So do the math. I'm probably doing it wrong. Okay, but it's, I do know this, that what we received and what we've put out is not matching. Okay, same thing with block party. We try to put on the best block party that we can possibly put on. We don't just get any old artists out here. We get good artists out here. It's not just a block party. It's a concert, and it's free for the community and anyone who wants to go. We do a fundraiser called Hoop for Hope, and this year our Hoop for Hope did not raise the money that um, we needed it to raise, and yet we still did all of these things um, by faith. And we did raise a lot additional money for camp but what happens oftentimes is when you're raising money for a specific thing people will give towards that specific thing and not give towards what they normally should give for instance your tie to keep the the air on or the heat on or uh you know taking care of the maintenance with the elevator and whatnot and so that's a lot of times you know kind of like at home when your electric bill is high you might pay part of your gas bill let's just be real people have done that we've all done that before right That's kind of what happens a lot of times in church giving. So, oh, I want my kids to go to camp, so I'm going to give towards that, but I'm going to forget to give towards the normal things that we give for, and so therefore, now everything's tight. Does that make sense to you? And so, I have never had such a real conversation in 10 years with our congregation, and we've been here before a couple times. But I felt we're getting ready to go into our banquet season, which is raising money. It's our biggest fundraiser. And I don't want people that are coming in to give who do not go to Vision to take care of the things that Vision should have already taken care of themselves. When that money comes in, it should come in for furthering the ministry and furthering our outreach, not for what we've already done. This should come from our body. And so I say this Um, in fear and trembling and with a humble heart because I went before the Lord and I was nervous to do this. But I feel that you guys are mature enough to hear the truth. Our church is no longer full of just infants. Yes, we always will have baby Christians because we are always reaching out to get people saved. And if you're not ready for this kind of challenge yet, 
far be it from me to put any pressure on you to give it. But I believe there's a lot of us in this body today that are ready to hear this kind of message and are ready to understand the power of giving and ready to say, I'm going to do what it takes to sacrifice to help the church continue its mission. Amen. So can you have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that not one would be offended by your message today, Lord. God, I thank you, Jesus, that we would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we would have hearts that would ready, uh, be ready to receive your message and that we would have feet that are swift to be obedient. God, I pray right now against every distraction, every lie of the enemy that would manipulate or confuse or uh, bring doubt to the mind of your people. And God, I thank you for clarity. I thank you for boldness. And I thank you for faith to rise up in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I was going before the Lord about this message, um, there's sometimes, and when you're gathering together a sermon, you're preparing, there's sometimes that you're really, you do a lot of research. Um, there's been times, the, the most I think I've ever done was almost nearly 30 hours when I was putting together a message. And then there's times that usually on average is about seven hours to get together a message for me. But this was a time that it was like complete download of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, God gave me this like, I don't know, maybe in a couple hours, and, I, and then I prayed more into it. But it was just a complete download a lot faster than how I normally receive the word. And I knew that was confirmation that God wanted us to learn about power and giving. Because when we read the book of Acts, there is example after example after example of the early church giving sacrificially and the power of God that came because of that. And so we're going to break that down from the book of Acts and some other places, the power of giving. And we're going to teach this in acrostic because I like to teach that way. So we're going to break down the word power as an acrostic. The very first thing that we're going to talk about, five reasons here and why it's powerful to give to the Lord. Five reasons. There's power in giving. Number one, potential increases. Can you say that with me? Potential increases. Potential increases. We see this right away in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is very known for um, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came on the uh, 120 that met in the upper room for the very first time. People were speaking in, in new languages and speaking in tongues. And that's what a lot of people think of when they think of the book of Acts um, and Acts chapter 2. But if you read down in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, it break, or 42 through 47, it breaks down a few other things. It says they des- devote it themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all believers were together and had everything in common verse 45 they sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need talk about dedication is that dedicated or what verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Say, added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. We 
always hear about how God added to the church of Acts. I mean, it was a, listen, it was a beginning. This is the beginning of the church. Okay, it's the beginning. And it was 120, just 120 in the upper room who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who received the infilling that gives them power to be a witness. But it only, it didn't just give them power to be a witness. It gave them power to, to come together, to share with one another, to take care of one another. It gave them power to, to have faith, to even sell property and say, here, I'm giving this to a greater cause, something greater than myself. I'm giving this to the church. And God saw their faith and their obedience, and he did what? He added to their number daily those who are being saved. See, the early church grew partially because they had generous people willing to sacrifice for a greater cause. When I think about generations that are before us, um, anyone who's studied generations, our, our gener- mine and Josh, those who are um, in their, their mid-30s to mid-40s are would be uh, what considered Generation X. And there's about 16% of our generation that are Bible-based believers in America today. The generation before us, my parents' generation, would be the boomer generation. They're in their 50s and 60s now. And they would have been about 32%, I believe, Bible-based believers. The generation before them um, would very likely be probably Sister Juanita's generation. And my grandparents, who are in their 90s still living, um, their generation would have been a generation that a lot of people say was the greatest generation that ever lived. They went through World War II, um, and they were called the builder generation. These, this generation knew about sacrifice. They went through the Depression, and they knew how to be tight with their finances, and yet they still gave to their local churches. 64% of them were Bible-based believers, and God moved powerfully. It was through the generation of Billy Graham. There was crusades because of the sacrifices willing to put into the, to, to, it cost money to do crusades. It, took, it cost money to go around the world and preach the gospel. And this generation was willing to sacrifice. And what makes me sometimes fearful is that I don't want my generation to miss out on a blessing because we're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to give to the greater cause. What kind of sacrifices are you making to serve the cause of Christ? Let's just take a moment and think about that. What kind of sacrifices are you making to to serve the cause of Christ? What we're asking you to do in the next six weeks is to sacrifice. And the next six weeks, and let me tell you, friends, I understand that sacrifice. Josh and I are are parents of uh, four children, all four of them going to school. I understand that the end of summer is a tight time. In our family, just about everybody has a birthday in the summer. Three of my kids and a whole bunch of my nieces and nephews. Um, not to mention people try to do a little vacation with their families and then you got back to school and the lists are getting, are the lists getting bigger and bigger for y'all or is it just for me? Because it seems like those back to school supplies list is getting bigger. Wait till they get in middle school. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. You know, and then you want to get your kids shoes, you know, and, and they get to a certain age. You can't get them buddies anymore because you don't want them getting beat up. So you got to get them name brand shoes. I mean, the pressure that we have, right? So I'm going before the Lord like, God, this is not a good time to ask people to sacrificially give because it is the end of summer and people have to get their kids back to school and people are coming out of vacation and all these things. And I feel like the Lord said, this is the time that sacrifice is really sacrifice. And so we have this 
yellow card that's in your bulletin. And this is the end of summer giving challenge. And we're asking you to give according to your faith. Give what you can give. But you could look at that, talk to your spouse, and make a decision on what you feel like in the next six weeks you can do. What I felt the Lord tell me to do, and this is what he told me. I'm not saying he told you guys to do this. I felt like he told me, and I went to my husband, and, <laughs> and he was like, okay, you know, but I feel like it's me out of the bit that I get portioned to me that I'm supposed to give something every week. That might be $5. That might be a couple dollars one week. It might be more other weeks, but every week I'm supposed to give something. Um, You seek the Lord about what that is, but I'm asking you to prayerfully consider making a sacrifice in these next six weeks and to give something above what you normally give. If you already normally give a tithe, give something above that. If you have never given before, start somewhere. Start somewhere. And so what kind of sacrifices are you making? In these next six weeks, uh, we want to give until it hurts. We want to give where we actually feel it. It's not give, it, it is giving when you give and you have it to give, but it's so much more when you give and you, and you feel it. And I believe God blesses us more when we do that. He looks at the widow in the, in the New Testament who came and they were, they were taking an offering. And Jesus was sitting here. I find it interesting that they were taking an offering and Jesus did not have his eyes closed and his head bowed. He sat there. With his disciples, he said, come on, guys, check this out. And he told them to watch. And they were coming and giving. He saw a lot of rich people, and they were, they were throwing, you know, their offerings in. And you were hearing the big clank of the change and uh, coins or whatever. And they were giving their offering. And then here came a widow. And she gave basically like two and a half, what would be like two and a half pennies. And Jesus looked to his disciples, and he said, hey, who do you think gave the most? And of course, they're thinking, well, the ones who gave that, you heard the big clinkly, clink, 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 the ones who gave a lot. You, you saw that, right, Jesus? I mean, we're watching together. And he said, no, it was, the, it was the widow because she gave from her poverty. I understand, friends, that a lot of us here are not making six figures. I understand that a lot of us here are lower middle class or just middle class. And we're, 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 I'm asking you to give even from your need because God is going to bless you. He's going to bless you. And so the very first thing that I want to talk about is when we give potential, our potential increases. If you want to see the church continue to take kids to camp, if you want to see the church continue to do outreach ministries, that potential can only increase if our giving increases. You understand that, right? It's just like as a family. If we want to go on a vacation, but we're not bringing in any extra to pay for a vacation, we can't go on the vacation because we don't have, we don't have the extra to do it. The same is true with the church. If we want to continue to do the outreach ministries that we do, we need our potential to increase by our giving increasing. So the very second thing, there's power in giving. It makes our potential increase. But there's also an overflow of abundance. God, there's an overflow of abundance. Luke 6, 38 says this, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap for with every measure you use it will be measured to you i love this quote a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle loses nothing by lighting another i want to read from you john chapter 6 5 through 13 this is a familiar um, passage for a lot of us it's the 
passage of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but sometimes we forget how that started. So I want to read this. So I need you to focus on the word because the word is what brings power in our life and it delivers us from um, wrong thinking. So let's focus here on what this says. In verse 5, it says, Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Friends, the Lord tests us with our giving. Some of us don't get that today. The Lord tests us with giving. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite. We saw where his faith was, right? I believe Philip was a type A personality who, 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 you know, was one of those very detailed persons and was like, "Mm, no, 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 Jesus, I don't think you understand the financial request that you are having here. It would take more than a year's wage to give everyone just a bite. (laughs) And then verse 8 says, another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy, not himself, but here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go among many? But at least Andrew saw something. He saw potential in a boy. Friends, if God can use a boy who's just a child to see his kingdom multiplied, he can use us too. We need to have eyes to see the potential that we have. Instead of being like Andrew and say, there's no way I can give anything more than I already give. And I have, I have all these things that I have to take care of. There's no way. Instead, we've got to learn to start having faith in this area. So Andrew had some faith and said, hey, there's this boy. I see potential in this boy, but how far would it go? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, in this time, when they did church attendance, they only counted the men. If we did that today, it would be pretty sad. They did not count the women and children. And we know church always has more women and children. It's a sad thing, but it's the truth. So there was 5,000 men. Can you imagine? At least probably another 5,000 women. And you know they all had lots of kids. I mean, four was not very many to a, a, a family in this culture and generation. So there was tons of people there. And he didn't just feed the men. He fed them all. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed distribute to those who were seated as much as they what? As much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Sounds like my mom when we were eating growing up. Don't you dare waste that food, (laughs) right? Let nothing be wasted. And then verse 13, so they gathered them and filled how many? Twelve baskets with pieces of, of the five barley loaves left over with those who had eaten. It's interesting that Jesus was testing his disciples' generosity and faith, but it was the boy who stepped up to a plate, friends. It's interesting that the boy who gave up his lunch basket in the beginning received 12 times more at the end of the day. Friends, that is how generosity works. You may give a little, but you will receive more. God is in the multiplying business, but it takes us still stepping out in faith and giving something for it to be multiplied. It can't, you can't, if you, what's zero times zero? 
I'm not very good at math. I went to Libby. Thank God for my parents. It's the only reason I even passed math because I was like helpless in it, okay? But I even know what zero times zero is. It's zero. To multiply, you have to give something for it to be multiplied. When we give, there is always an overflow that comes from it. It's how God works. But the overflow cannot come when the giving does not come. Amen? So in order for us to see the power in giving, when we do give, there's the, we see potential increase. We see an overflow of abundance. And this one, the next one is one that I felt really touched me. Worldliness dies. When we give, there's power in giving because worldliness dies. What I mean, what I mean by worldliness is our flesh desires, our selfish desires. Say selfish. I just heard John Maxwell, um, give a, a give us a, a sermon and he said if you don't think you're selfish when you see a group picture and you're in it what's the first place you look at you know you do it and matter of fact if you don't like it you're going to send a request like pastor don please take that group picture down i look terrible and at least that's what i do <laughs> right because by nature we're selfish we have a selfish nature it's worldliness. We talked a few weeks ago about the fear of the Lord. How many of you guys were here for that? Yeah. If you, if you weren't, you need to go back and listen online. It was so good. Um, message that was from the Lord. And I'm just agreeing with Jesus because I'm the one who taught it. So that kind of sounds prideful, but it really was a good word. <laughs> um, but we learned about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. I'm not going to re-preach that chapter, but I do want to bring out a couple of things that have to do with worldliness. Um, they gave, they, they, they pretended to sell all of their property. Now we just read in Acts chapter two that many people sold their property and gave it to the church, correct? Well, Ananias and Sapphira kind of liked the attention that people got by doing that. So they pretended to, uh, give all, they sold property and gave part of it, but they pretended to give all of it. And basically long story uh, short, God judged them there on the spot and they died. Um, and it said great fear. We see this in Acts chapter 5. It's the next verse, 511. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. They had a selfish nature that they did not allow to die. Because Peter himself looked at them and said, listen, this was your money. You didn't have to give it all. But you lied to the Holy Spirit by saying you did when you didn't. And God judged them for it. They didn't have to. It was their money. They didn't have to give any of it. Or they could have just gave part of it if they wanted to. But because they lied, there was was judgment that happened to them and fear, the fear of the Lord went across the church. But the thing is, we need to be real. Because selfishness keeps us from from being generous. Selfishness keeps us from giving. We give because we love God. And when we give, it causes the worldliness in us to die a little more. I had uh, one of our leaders at the church came to me one time and, and, and told me that, that when people give, that he, he has noticed that there's a lot of blank um, envelopes that sometimes, not a lot, but at times there's a lot of blank envelopes that go into the offering. And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean by that? He said, people drop envelopes in the offering that has no offering in it. I said, well, why do people do that? 
Sometimes I can, my my pastors come around me and they say, Joy, sometimes you can just be very naive. Whatever. I I think it's the the innocence in me, I guess. I don't know. But I'm like, well, why would anyone do that? He said, because they want to look good to those around them. I said, oh, oh man, I don't ever want anyone to feel that kind of pressure that they have to drop blank envelopes in our offering because they want to look good, friends. It's not about how you look to those around you. It's your heart before the Lord. Ananias and Sapphira could have gave just a small percentage of what they sold for that property. And if their heart was pure before the Lord, they would have been blessed. But instead, they want to look good around those around them. And they lied to the Holy Spirit and thus was judged on the spot by God. Friends, we got to be careful. Pastor Keith used to say this to me. And Pastor Keith was the pastor who raised Josh and I in ministry. And he said, you can tell what a person prioritizes by their checkbook. You can tell what a person prioritizes by their checkbook. Friends, it is a sad day we live in in the church when we give more to Starbucks than we give to our local church. Gosh, I understand. I understand that it's tight. I understand most of us are are middle class or lower than that. But friends, we still find the money to buy frappes at McDonald's. We still find the money for other things that are important to us, and we can see that in our checkbook, whether it's going and getting expensive coffee drinks or joining a a gym that we never go to. We find money for those things, and yet we don't find it in our heart to give to the church. You could look at our checkbook and see what we prioritize. Friends, it's got to change. Does it got to change? It's got to change. I went before the Lord, and and I've been tithing and giving since I was 19 years old, and I went to the Lord and said, God, how can I change? How can I change? I have this thing that I have a problem in my life right now. Y'all want to hear it because you guys are quiet, so y'all want to hear my problem? Oh, okay. I vicariously live through my daughter. She's the only one I have, and it's a problem. And so therefore, I think I'm saving money when I have a coupon to buy something that she doesn't already need because she just had a birthday and she has clothes that she came and fit in her drawers. But I think I'm saving money because I have a coupon and I vicariously live through her and it just looks so cute on her. And so, therefore, the Lord convicted me. I was like, come on. Listen, I still bought her something with that coupon. But listen, not as much as I want it to. <laughs> and sometimes it's those baby steps, friends. Where can you cut back on? I'm not saying don't go to Starbucks. Or don't go to your favorite coffee place, but can you cut back a little bit to give a little bit more? Right? Where, where can it start so that our selfishness, because we say, oh, we're not selfish because it's for our kids. I do that one on my husband all the time. He's like, look at this money you spent. I said, but it's not for me. It's for the babies. But listen, sometimes they don't need it all. Sometimes they can have the plain folder, not the cool pedazzled one with sparkles. Right? Sometimes we can make sacrifices so that that selfish nature in us can die. Amen? You guys are quiet today. Listen to this. Sometimes we hold on to our possession because we fear we might run out and life seems scarce. You hear that? Sometimes we hold on because we're afraid we're going to run out. But when we believe that giving is a way of life, it's a what? A way of life. We will, we will produce more in the future, and life seems abundant. This is the life that Jesus had in mind in John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief, the who? The thief come only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life. 
to the full, some translations, or have life more abundantly in others and have it abundantly. Friends, God wants us to have that abundant life. A few years ago, we had a whole summer theme called Do Life Big. He wants us to live abundantly, live to the full. But we can't live to the full when we're only focused on ourselves. If our focus is living to the full, we're going to miss it, friends. If our focus is on how, how big our God is and what we can do to worship him and please him, then the fullness comes. We've got to switch focuses. I'm preaching better than you guys are amening, but that's okay. <laughs> There's power in giving. It makes worldliness die. There's power in giving. It empowers people. And this is my favorite point. This one and the next one. Okay. I get more happy, I think, than anyone else. But God empowers people when we give. He empowers people. Listen, in your notes, you might notice, again, yet another typo, because I get these done early, and then I go back and pray and change things up. It says empowers others in your notes, if you're taking notes in the talk it over sheet. But I felt the Lord said, make that personal. It's not just others. Sometimes we're like, oh, others. No, I mean people. Like, you're my people, girl. It empowers you, right, Danette? If someone, Diamond, her sister is Danette, that's okay. If someone gave, and, and some of you guys have experienced it, you guys were all, most of you guys were blessed that someone gave for you to go to camp. Was it empowering, young people? Was, was your life radically touched by God and, and, and you'll never forget that experience? Because other people gave to empower them. It's people. It's not just others. Sometimes we think others and we think they're far off. No, people. When we give, it empowers people. Like you and me. It's empowering. See, when we first started Vision, there was a church that gave us $20,000 for a down payment of this building. This building, uh, there's a few things. The building was worth a lot more than what they sold it to us. They, they sold it to us for half of the worth, which was empowering. And then we had to raise $50,000 as a down payment, which is empowering because it, those who, who've ever bought a house or anything would know when you actually put a down payment on something, you don't have the kind of interest that, you know, feels like you're constantly paying off the same thing and not seeing anything change, the PMI and all the other stuff. Well, with the church, they said... Our, our district, where a similar God, our district said, we want you to raise $50,000 for a down payment. Josh and I, were, we're not even 30 at the time. And we're like, Lord, who do we know that we could even ask for this kind of money? And there was a, a new pastor in Bowling Green that sat down and took us out to lunch. I was just excited the fact that we didn't have to pay for lunch. You know, we're, buying, we're eating a big old hamburger. I still remember what I got that day. <laughs> I'm not a salad eating chick all the time, in case you can't tell, right? And so we're, <laughs> we're eating this big hamburger, and he says to us, we feel that we're to give our entire mission budget to your church for a down payment. And that was empowering, friends. We felt like we were nobody. Who even knows us? No one. Who's going to support some 20-year-olds who didn't even go to a traditional Bible college to start this new church in an inner city of Toledo? And this pastor in the country said, I believe in the gift of God that's in you, and our church has come together, and we're going to empower you by giving you this. Don't tell me that giving does not empower others. You would be... Naive at best and foolish at worst to think that. If we want to see our potential,
exponential increase. If we want to see the overflow and stop living at the bottom of the cup, if we want to see worldliness die, and if we want to see people empowered, we have to give. No one embodies this more than Barnabas in the book of Acts. Barnabas was a lifter of people. He empowered people. Now, Acts chapter 4, 33 and 36 talks a little bit about some some good things and it mentions Barnabas. Let's read, okay? With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work with them all. You see that word power being used a lot, right? Right? 34, that they were no needy person among them. Hmm. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Friends, we already write in Acts chapter 2 that this happened, and now we're reading it again. And there was no needy people. See, there was not a building. uh, They didn't have church buildings at that time, okay? So... Now, this, we realize that this church building is not just the church. The church is us, correct? But the church building is a tool. If we didn't have the church building, we would not have a gathering place for the 2,000 meals that are fed in this church building a month. If we didn't have a church building, we wouldn't have... There's no one in the South End that has a home big enough to hold all of us that's in this room today for a worship service. So we understand that the church building is not the church, but it is a tool for the church so that there wouldn't be any needy people. That's how we're able to bless some of the people in our community. Just like in those days, they were able to distribute it among those with needs. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called who? Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. How many of you guys love to be encouraged? I love to be encouraged. I mean, one of my probably top... Love languages. My husband says I'm complicated and I tricked him and I really don't have one. I have all five of them. But one of my favorite ones is words of affirmation. I love it when someone gives a sincere compliment. I can like chew on that for days. Okay? So when words of affirmation, that means encouragement. When someone encourages you, you feel good about yourself. This man was an encourager. He was also a Levite, which means he was a priest, right, from the priestly tribe. A Cypriot by birth sold a piece of property that he owned, then bought the money and put it at the feet of the apostles. So Barnabas, it says that there are many people that did it, but they gave the example of Barnabas. This is in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 5 is when Ananias and Sapphira died because they tried to pretend to do it because they, they said, oh, look at this. They're writing Barnabas' name in the Bible. I want my name in the Bible too. Okay, they didn't really say that, but you know, they were they wanted the accolades. And they got it, but just not in the way they want it, right? That's how we do though sometimes. We see someone else being promoted, someone else being blessed, and we want what they have, but we don't want to do what they did. We look at someone and say, man, their marriage is so blessed. I just love how they love each other. And we want what they have, but we don't want to do what they do. Or we see someone at business and we say, man, they got the corner office and I really wanted that. We want what they have, but we don't want to put in the hours that they put in. Right? 
We're always looking and saying the grass is greener on the other side because they water the grass on the other side. If you want green grass, you gotta water it. Barnabas was a sacrificial giver. Unlike Ananias and Sapphira, Barnabas gave from a pure heart because he wanted to empower the church to do its mission. The church's mission is to seek and save the lost, to worship God and to save the lost, friends. That is the mission of every church. We call our mission statement hope to others, but that's what it is. Jesus is our hope, and we want to give him to others. We want to give him to other people. Friends, it takes money to do a mission. It takes money to take 58 people to camp. It takes money to put on a high-quality block party and concert for the community to enjoy for free. It takes people willing to invest and empower the church to reach out. And this is the thing. This is the thing. Usually, when you are a person who is generous with possession, you're also generous with investing into the lives of people with your time and talent. Barnabas was generous with not just his possession, but with his investing, his time, and his talent. We see this best in the Apostle Paul. Now, a lot of people know who the Apostle Paul is. People say he was the greatest apostle that ever lived. He didn't even get converted into Acts chapter 9, okay? He got converted uh, in Acts chapter 9. He fell off his donkey, was blinded by a vision of Jesus, and... um, was blind for three days until he received a healing and God called him and said, hey, your calling is to go spread the news to the Gentiles. You're going to stand before kings and rulers and you're going to learn to suffer for my name. What a calling, right? But he did it with the utmost grace and power and Barnabas was the very first person who believed in Paul. Now get this. Let's think back for a minute. We're like, oh, I would believe in him. Paul persecuted the church. When he was on the road to Damascus, it was because he was going to find the believers that lived in that town to drag them out of their houses, drag them out of their homes, drag them out of the synagogue, and put them to jail and see them persecuted for Christ. He wanted, he was there right when Stephen, the very first martyr in the book of Acts, was killed. He was there watching the coats of people who stoned him. Okay? So people were kind of iffy about Paul including the apostles Peter, James, and John. They're like, I don't know about this brother, man. I mean, I know God can save anyone because I just denied Jesus like a, a, like a couple months ago and now look at me, but I don't know about this, bro. He's like killing Christians. He's like taking it to the next level, right? But here comes Barnabas. And Barnabas goes to the apostles and he gives them a testimony about Paul. He says, Paul, the, Paul is a man, man of God. God changed in so many words. He said he was on the road of Damascus, and he tells his testimony, and he tells how Paul got saved, and then he tells how Paul got healed from blindness, and how Paul went on um, preached the word of the Lord fearlessly. So basically, Barnabas put his stamp, a stamp of approval on Paul. And because they trusted Barnabas, I mean, listen, Barnabas was fun in their ministry. Because they trusted Barnabas, they saw his generosity, they saw his gifts to God and his lifestyle. They said, if Barnabas believes in him, we'll give him a chance. 
Barnabas was a lifter of people. He empowered people not just with his finances, but with his time and with his tra- with his time and with his talent, friends. We need to learn to be a lifter of people. We need to learn to see the good in others. We need to learn to see God's gifts in other people. Barnabas empowered Paul to reach his potential, his full potential. And Paul's potential, friends, was greater than Barnabas's. Mm. Paul's potential was even greater than Barnabas. Even though Barnabas was saved first, even though Barnabas made a sacrifice and sold all, a sold property and gave it to the church, Paul had greater potential than Barnabas did. So there's so few times that we actually invest in someone that we see great, greater gifts in than ourselves because we don't want to let go. We don't want to let go of control. We don't want to let go of what's ours. We're afraid that if we would release something that's ours, we will have nothing left. But Barnabas didn't care. He said, this is a man of God, and God wants to use him powerfully, and I'm going to believe in him. When you first read about Barnabas and Paul in the, in the book of Acts, it was listed just as that, Barnabas and Paul. As you continue to read on, it got, it got changed around, and now it's Paul and Barnabas because Paul's calling was even greater. Friends, We've got to start decreasing so others can increase. Barnabas was like John the Baptist, and he learned to decrease for someone else to increase. A lot of times the next generation of leaders in the church are not empowered because the generation that's in power is not willing to allow their full potential to come to fruition. Empowering people always takes personal investment. Always. There was a time in 2012 that I was lied on. I was I was the uh, closest thing of... of basically persecution I've ever experienced. I'm not going to go into details. It was nasty lying rumors that went around about me. And I was mad as hornets. Let me tell you, I did not handle everything with the best grace I should. I was mad. I was ready to quit the ministry. I was ready to cuss some people out. I was furious about things that went on. I'm just being real. Long story short, I ended up in the hospital and God spoke to me radically about it. And I said, I got to still love God and I got to still love people. I gotta still invest in people even when they do me dirty, even when they lie on me, even when they talk maliciously about me behind my back. I gotta still love people even when I give to people and they take it and then they go and squander it away. I still gotta invest. A few, uh, not too long ago we had a person who, who, um, was a part of our church and they felt God was calling them away, um, to help at another church but they kinda just tried to basically leave out the back door and not really say anything to us. And so I called this person up and I said, hey, you know, what's going on? And they're like, well, you know, I tried meeting with you and it just we weren't able to connect and, you know, I'm just going to go do this. I said, listen, the investment that we've placed in your life deserves more than just a peace out. This person got offended at me because I said investment and they didn't like that word. But the truth of it is, is investment is more than just money. It's time. It's seeing the potential in people. It's giving people a chance. It's giving people an opportunity. And this is the thing. This church right here at Vision Ministries invests in people. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's just you opening the door and we see you're faithful in that. And then we invest more. But friends, this church invests in people to see people move at their full potential. But we have got to learn to empower people 
It always takes investment, and investment always takes generosity, and generosity always takes a giving heart. My question for you again is this. Do you have a giving heart? Do you have a giving heart? There's power in giving. There's power in giving. It increases potential. There's power in giving. There's an overflow that happens. There's power in giving. It makes worldliness die. There's power in giving. It empowers people, and there's power in giving because reaping always happens. Reaping transpires when there's giving. See, there's a spiritual law, and it's called sowing and reaping that many in our generation do not get. I've already talked about previous generations and how they've built great cathedrals and great missions around the world. There is a, a, a biblical principle, a biblical law that is called sowing and reaping that our generation has got to learn, friends. I, I read this, and I could not even find it, and the author is unknown, but this next line that I'm about to tell you, man, I, I've been chewing on it all weekend. Listen to this. If what you have is not what you need, It's not in your harvest. It's your seed. If what you have is not what you need, it's not in your harvest, it's in your seed, friends. There is a biblical principle called sowing and reaping. And so often Christians with insufficiency hold tight to what they have because they they think it would be wise to hold on tight, but really true wisdom would be to let go of some of it. To plant it for future benefit. Releasing is biblical. Hoarding is not biblical. It's not of the Lord. Holding, hoarding is not. The law of sowing and reaping is called a law for a reason. It is a godly principle and part of the covenant he made with Adam to all creation in Genesis 8.22. While there is earth, remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. So far, that's been true. Amen. There is a principle of seed time and harvest, reaping and sowing. Remains active to mankind still to this day. And whenever we obey the laws of God, it takes discipline to obey the laws. It takes faith in the beginning. But when we do in the long run, friends, there is a blessing that flows. No doubt the act of sowing for the purpose of reaping can be an act of of fear, especially for those who are new to their faith. If you're a single mom who's working two jobs to try to cover sending your kids back to school and take care of the needs, it's scary to to hear the act of sowing and reaping and to hear this biblical principle. But God says you can test me in this. In Malachi 3.10 it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. The scripture goes on and says the windows of heaven will be open and there will be so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. The scripture also talks about sowing and reaping and, and, and gives us faith by Proverbs 11:18. It says seed sown in righteousness will have a sure reward. Galatians 6, 7 says this. For whatever a man sows, that will also reap. If you sow certain kinds of seeds, you will reap from that certain kinds of seed. If you sow in faith, you will reap faith. If you sow in righteousness, you will reap har- righteousness. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. For whatever a man sows, that too he will also reap. 
Oftentimes people say that they don't have the faith to do it, but friends, God will, sometimes we can't just pray for faith. Sometimes we've just got to take a step of faith. Sometimes we just got to do it. This is the thing. We cannot reap what we do not sow. We cannot reap what we do not sow. So I have a a video that I want to show to you um, real quick. And if you can get that ready. Go ahead. So back when I was youth, my youth leaders explained the concept of tithing. And I was working a part-time job and I was tithing faithfully. My senior year in high school, I applied for a scholarship, but they usually only give one out. And I thought there's no way I'm going to get this, but I just trusted and believed God and was faithful. And they gave out two scholarships that year, full ride scholarship to um, college. So God is good. Go ahead. So a time where I was uh, obedient to God and giving uh, some of my finances and uh, he bountifully blessed me back was uh, was about a year ago. Um, I was pulling into a Sonic to a, get some food and there was a guy walking car to car asking for money and um, he came up to mine and uh, my friends were kind of hesitant to add, to to give him some money so I got out and um, I started talking with him and I could really tell in the sincerity of his voice and uh, just by his eyes that he truly needed it so I prayed with him I went I gave him money and that was the only money I had uh, to pay my rent that month so I gave that to him and then uh, not knowing um, the day after um, I actually got my um, university stipend from the school um, two weeks early so I was able to cover my rent and everything else I needed so God definitely um, reabundantly blessed me after I was obedient to him with him so a time when I gave is during a school day when this girl really needed money to get on the bus to go home and I gave her more than she needed and after that I actually got blessed with twice as much as I gave her it made me feel good because I kind of felt like I did a good deed and I got more back, but it wasn't just so I could get more back. It's because I knew she really needed it. Because before camp, um, I felt led by God to sponsor my brother for camp because my mom didn't have it and God returned the money back to me. Tithing had always been a struggle to me until once I made up my mind, and that's just recently, maybe in the last year and a half, that this is God's off the top no matter what we make and just do it. I mean, it's hard if you don't just do it, but once you start to just do it, the blessings and the financial freedom that comes from it is just amazing. It's not like truckloads of money is gonna roll up at your door, but all my bills are paid. There's plenty of food in my house and I don't do without anything. So I definitely say tithing is a huge blessing and it's also biblical. I wanted to show this testimony video because I want you guys to see. This is not just me saying this. This is not just Pastor Josh saying this. We had teenagers that could testify that when they give, God blesses. To to uh, saints that have been serving in our house longer than anyone testifying that it was hard to learn to tithe. But once they just did it, God blesses. Right now I have some seed in my hands. And... What I felt when I was sitting down and watching that video is what we do when we have seed is we eat the seed instead of plant the seed. And friends, 
God has given you this seed so you can plant it and then you're going to eat so much better. But sometimes because of fear or sometimes because of our past, we take the seed that God has given us so that we can see a harvest and we don't see the harvest in our life because we take the seed and we eat it instead of sow it, friends. And today I want to encourage you, sow into the kingdom of God. Sow into your local church. You want to receive the benefits of your church. Friends, sow into it. You cannot reap what you do not sow. It's time for us to grow up, Vision Ministries. And so today I ask Pastor Josh to go ahead and take this seed that some of my friends right here at Vision gave to us and to lay it at the altar. And I already prepared for for myself because I knew what I was going to do, but I'm going to give you time to prepare. I gave an offering today that's sacrificial for me. That's above my normal tithing giving. And I'm not saying this to look at me because I feel that as leaders, we have to set the example. And I'm praying about how I can give more. But I want you to take today what's in your bulletin, this pledge card. Take that tithe envelope out. And if you feel by the Lord not out of compulsion, not out of manipulation, but if by the Lord you would pray and take some time to quiet yourself, if there's something additional that you can give today, I'm going to ask you, would you join me in sowing your seed today? And would you bring that offering to the altar? Right now I'm going to ask every eye closed and every head bowed. We're going to pray and we're going to seek. And then Lady Dorinthia and and Maddie are going to lead us in some worship and as the Lord moves on you if there's something that you can give if you can't that's okay if there's a pledge that you want to give that you know that you're going to give when you when when you're able to you can drop that off but from the youngest in this house to the oldest in this house would you take time to seek the Lord let's bow our heads and ask God God what would you have us give today